0: What's up, everybody, it's Master of the Indiana Pacers. You listen to the Peace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Roos Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Thankfully, coming to you after a win. Wasn't sure that we were going to be coming to you after a victory. It looked like we were going to drop the third straight close game in a row to the Miami Heat in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. However, In overtime, the Pacers were able to get it done. 102 to 91 uh, standouts in that game. Demonis Sabonis, 17 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, which he was active hands from Domas today. Uh, Also, the rook, Chris Duarte, had a couple of really cool shots. Uh, He had 19 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist. Malcolm Brogdon, 18 points, 14 rebounds. And my boy, O'Shea Brissett, 18 points off the bench. I am very excited to talk about this Miami game. We'll touch on the Charlotte game as well. Um, But Alex, I'll start with you this time. Uh, How good is it to not only beat Miami, but to beat them at home, to beat them wearing gold, to beat them in OT, and to finally win a close one after three attempts?
1: Everything about today felt like a 2013 conference finals game. Like it was low scoring. It was ugly as hell. Shots weren't really falling, and as you said, it was a gold out in Indiana, which is always a beautiful sight to see. But uh, yeah, our boy, our boy O'Shea Rissette has been freed. We've been crying for it every episode. People are probably sick of us uh talking about it, but uh, he, he was so good last year, so it was just tough for me to watch him sit at the end of the bench. And uh, Rick Carlisle said, like in his post game interview, he was talking about how it was a mistake not to play him against Charlotte. So, um, you know, it, it he kind of was forced with Miles's foul trouble, but. Nonetheless, it was good to see Rick make a little bit of an adjustment. And man, O'Shea came up huge today, didn't he?
0: He was immense. I mean, he had, uh, I think he had a dunk one stage, an offensive rebound. He had a couple of threes, like just key plays. And we don't really have many players on this roster that can play that stretch four role. And O'Shea is one that can do it and did it well today. So I think he's the key to... Uh, unlocking that bench unit, Justin, that you talk about so much. I mean, you, you look at the bench scoring the first two games versus this one, it was a different bench. We got a, a different performance from Jeremy Lamb and a different performance from O'Shea Brissett. So how important is it, is it that the bench performed and how important is it that that set up the victory today?
2: Exactly right. And what did we get? Two Two straight losses where the bench didn't perform and then you get the bench performing and you win. So it shows how important the bench is and, you know, we've got some depth there, although I think O'Shea's big, like you've always said, Alex, because um, fully, I think Goga's out the lineup. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Jackson even got minutes today, didn't he? So uh, yeah. obviously we're on a back-to-back and, um, you know, just coming off an overtime game, so minutes were going to be tough. I think Sabonis and the big man logged about 43, 44 minutes against Washington. So it was always going to be a deeper lineup, but, Yeah, very interesting. It's, it's, I think we can't go eight deep and we need to go about nine or 10 deep. And um, yeah, that's what Rick Carlisle did today. And I guess that's why we we
0: won. Yeah, the only thing I'll say there is IJ IJ Jackson didn't get minutes. He got minute. He got one minute in this game (laughs) and one point uh, from a free throw. He got fouled in his one minute. Uh, so congrats to the Rook for scoring his first career point. However, he only scored one point in one minute. So he's averaging a point every minute that he plays in the NBA, which is a pretty good ratio. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see that, you know, you've got two key players missing from this lineup. Um, and you've got probably nine guys that could conceivably play in this rotation with Brissett, McConnell, Lamb and Torrey Craig off the bench, you bring Warren and Lavert in and then you've got a 10 man rotation, but the issue is how do you split up? Obviously the bench minutes, how do you make sure that there's always at least a scoring threat, a perimeter threat on the floor and you're going to have to stagger those big men. I mean, the, the other thing that I noticed was miles wasn't on the floor again for long stretches of the end of this game. Um, we'll talk about the Charlotte game in a minute, but Alex, it kind of it's a it's a bit of a weird look to to not have both bigs at the same time at the end of the game, particularly when you know one of them's been playing quite well or had a career night last night and then tonight didn't really get any opportunity to get going.
1: Yeah, I do I do think that was more the foul trouble like it was in Charlotte. So you know maybe we'll see them together. Uh, if Milwaukee game is close, which hopefully it's not because I can't deal with any more close games, but um, yeah, I think the more interesting thing for me was Donovan's got subbed out after like three and a half minutes or like four minutes in, into the game, so you can tell he really yeah. wants to stagger them. Uh, he, he said that during the preseason as well, like he, he would rather them play separately, and you know, it makes sense. Uh, my only thing is though, uh, is that, as you said, when Warren and Lavert come back. You know, who, who is the guy that, that cops the, the DNPs or who is the guy that you, you take the minutes from? Because it's going to be a, a bit of a tough situation for Rick, I think.
0: Yeah, if you look at the way the minutes are distributed right now, I mean, you've got Jeremy Lamb and Torrey Craig played a total of 28 minutes. Well, there's one of Levert or Warren um, mm-hmm. immediately. Uh, Justin Holiday would go down from 37 down to that sort of Jeremy Lamb 17 range. So there's 20 minutes, and TJ McConnell would go down from 24. O'Shea Brissett had 31. So you could cobble together Warren and Levert's minutes uh from the the bench and Justin Holiday, but um then you you get you know Jeremy Lamb and Tory Craig having maybe six minutes, maybe 10 minutes at most, which Uh, I guess you want from the end of the bench, but it's going to be weird to see how particularly the bigs are staggered because you hear NBA players say so often, it's not actually about who starts. It's about who finishes. And a lot of these, these games two out of these three games, miles Turner has been on the bench for the end of the game. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the blowback is from that, making a clear decision to play one over the other. And it will more than likely be Domas 90% of the time. So Justin, can you see this? Like, can you see Miles sacrificing longer term at the end of games uh, to allow this stagger to work? Or is it all just about wins? Well, I
2: think he's done it in his career already. So I don't think he's going to change his mind now if it does affect winning, like you mentioned. And... I agree with Alex. I think a lot of it was in part due to his foul trouble. I think if he didn't have five fouls today, he would have been on the court near the end. And I think Rick Carlisle said a really good quote about Miles post game. I've got it here. He said, "In today's NBA, Miles Turner is the ultimate franchise loyalist. He's a leader. He's coachable. He does the dirty work on the defensive end." So I think Carlisle's actually Miles' biggest fan right now. Um, or sorry, Miles is Carlisle's biggest fan. So. Um, I think he's done great. I mean, he had a career night against Washington. What a fantastic game that was. I know we're probably brushing over it because the Miami game was was today. But, um, yeah, he was magnificent. And I think Miles has started the season really well. He's, he's getting blocked shots every game. He's putting up shots. He, he's being aggressive, which as a Pacer fan, you want to see. He missed a few shots today, and I was like, good on him. Like, he's he's going hard at the paint. he's historically always struggled against Miami.
0: Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was great to see. It's fantastic. I mean, the, the 40 point night yesterday, we were all so thrilled for him um, because it's clear that he's been working hard on his game in the off season, as a lot of paces have been, but it's just nice to see that hard work pay off. It's nice to see, nice to see someone get rewarded with career stats. Um, It's just a pity that the team couldn't get the W. I mean, I, I think the weirdest part about the Miami game for me was that we didn't give up 120 points to our opponent. I mean, the first two games, we gave up two hundred and fifty something points to Charlotte and Washington. Today, it was ninety-one. So, you know, Rick Carlisle stressed the importance of defense and and said and admitted that the defense had been nowhere near where it should be. Um, despite the uh, the terrible third quarter today, we only gave up ninety-one points, and that's the sort of total that we need to get. We we still had over a hundred points ourselves, so.
2: There just um promising
0: just promising quickly signs. adam
2: miami had 19 straight games of scoring 100 points and we we broke that today in an overtime game and that was their franchise record crazy
0: and i mean even like the third quarter was terrible but nowhere near as bad as the last couple of third quarters have been we brought where were, we were scored by nine points it was 17 to 8 it was ugly as you say alex that is a early 2000s third quarter box score, 17 points to eight. That's um, something you'd see in a rec league, but it, it was, you know, not as bad as it could have been. And I think if, as long as we can stay within five, six, seven, eight points of our opponent in the third quarter, losing the third quarter matters a hell of a lot less. It's when you give up 24 points straight that um, it becomes a, a minor issue. So I think, yeah, it's, um, it's clear that we we don't come out of these half times with the right mindset or we don't come out of these half times with the right execution or the right plan or the right approach or the right something. I mean, Alex, this is this is happening too many times for it to just be a coincidence and just come down to circumstance. There's something to these third quarter meltdowns.
1: Oh, for sure. And I'm, I'm trying not to laugh because the fact we got outscored by nine in the third day and that was good. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that shows you how bad we've been in the third quarter of games and it reminds me of two years ago i remember a game in oklahoma i don't know if you guys remember this uh when they were actually good they we gave up a 24 nothing run identical uh in okc we lost that game and I, I remember game one as well against the celtics that year what remember that third quarter where we had the nine point lead at halftime we ended up blowing it straight away so yeah it's very reminiscent of, of that team which is weird like I really can't give you an answer. I don't know why. It's bizarre. We we almost go away from everything that's working, right? Like in the Hornets game, we stopped feeding Sabonis. Um, in the Wizards game, I feel like we almost didn't feed Miles enough, like at times. So, yeah, it, it's tough to explain why. But the Pacers need to need to find a solution pretty fast. I
0: think the the key for me across the last couple of games that I've watched, and in fact, all three games this season. Um, is directly related to who we're missing. And that's that dribble penetration is really difficult without Malcolm Brogdon on the floor. I mean, Chris Duarte tries his guts out to get every possible open shot that he can. And, you know, he, he tries fadeaways. He tries open threes. He tries step back threes. And this kid has absolutely no fear in his body. And I think we all love him and we all can't wait to see what his career unfolds to, but Overall, I see a lot of just passing around the perimeter, kind of probing, trying to find a lane in, but not really having the talent on the floor, to aside from Malcolm Brogdon, to be able to get to the rim and get a high percentage shot. I mean, you've seen TJ McConnell dribble under the basket quite a few times and have to try and find someone coming back out. And they've cut him off, like Miami cut him off a couple of times today and we turned the ball over. So I, I think the... the the lack of ability to get to the rim via a perimeter player and have the defense collapse and create those opportunities is the biggest opportunity that I can, I can see for improvement. And and unfortunately that's only going to come from TJ Warren and Karis Levert coming back. But I mean, Justin, we're going to have to find performances like O'Shea Brissett's performance like when Jeremy Lamb hit those three threes in the first quarter because that's going to be the difference between us winning and losing games. It seems like we can rely on Malcolm Brogdon. He's been fantastic so far this season. He's been really consistent as has Domas, all credit to those guys, you know, and Duarte has been quite consistent as well as that third option, but we're going to need one of those other six, seven guys to go off to be able to win a game. NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Yeah,
2: you're right. And If uh, the listeners remember, I was quite negative- before the season started, I, I thought Paces was going to be a really tough year for them. Um, now, you know, there could have been a high chance with 0-3 after the Miami game, and potentially you'd say 0-4 because we're facing Milwaukee next. But I'm a lot more positive after the first three games. I think we can be better than I originally thought. Once Lavert and Warren comes back, I suppose having Duarte come off the bench, which is for me the massive factor that bench. Yeah, the, the, the bench punch we need. So um, I think if we are fully healthy this year, my expectations are a lot higher um, than just being a tough out. Uh, no, nah, I'm joking there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Lavert's due back in a few days, isn't he? So let, let's hope. I think he was expected to miss the first three or four games. So let's hope, you know, after the Milwaukee game, he comes back. Warren's due a bit later. But, um, you know, let's look at the positive. If TJ Warren was playing, Duarte wouldn't be getting these minutes and experience
0: and shots. So, um, yeah, there are positives to take out of it as well. I think even when Levert comes back, you almost, if you rick Rick have to treat Brogdon and Levert exactly the same way as you're treating Sabonis and Turner, and that is that you're going to have to stagger the two of them. You need yeah. one of them on the floor at all times to be able to create uh, initiate offense, to be able to get to the rim. I mean, Duarte is is a luxury at that point as a third scorer in any lineup. But at the moment, he's being asked to be a secondary scorer in some of these lineups, which he's performing admirably at that. And as I said, the kid is fearless, but um, it's a lot to put on a guy in his you know third NBA game. It's also a got a lot to put on a guy like... We're, we're seeing some some Thibodeau-style minutes from uh, Rick Carlisle in, in the Rook here. I mean, he had... 42 minutes today against Miami yesterday against Washington. He played 45 minutes. He's played 87 minutes across two games and they're the second and third games of his career. I, I saw him front rim about four or five jump shots in today's game, probably because he was cooked. But the thing I loved about him was that he kept shooting and he hit that one, uh, deep three that he waved uh, one of his teammates off and just hit it, drained it in, uh, I think it was Tyler Hero's face. and
1: P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker's
0: yeah. face. And it tells you everything you need to know about the guy. No fear whatsoever. Full confidence in his own abilities, in his ability to make a long-range jump shot. And he, with more conditioning, more seasons under his belt, more opportunities to play against the best players, is only going to get better. I mean, I, it probably... Uh, people people are going to get sick of us talking about Duarte this season because we're just going to be glowing about him every single episode. But he is... We haven't had a player play this well out the gate since when? I mean, Miles didn't play this well out the gate. Paul George didn't play this well out the gate. Um, I think the the last rookie to start his first game was Jamal Tinsley before Duarte. Um, And Jamal Tinsley disappeared off the face of the earth in about 2005. So... I um I just don't know. I don't know that you've ever had a, a rookie as impressive since the early '90s, late '80s. Am I wrong?
1: Oh no, you're right. I think, and I, I feel bad for talking about Duarte with with leaving Justin out. So I'll I'll give Justin the floor to talk about how good he is and how wrong Pacers Twitter was, and uh, how this kid's going to be the greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just
2: kind of like Adam as well. I the biggest thing I love about him is just his confidence and yeah. you just don't know how rookies are going to be once around the NBA floor. Like you'd be so nervous, right? And he just doesn't care. Like he's, I think he took, yeah, 20 shots. Like Adam mentioned, and um, he was taking the big shots. I mean, Rick drew up a play for him to shoot the game winner and yep. it looked online. God, I wish it went in. That would have been so good. But um, you know, you got Brogdon, Sabonis, you um, you know, you got other shooters on the floor and we're drawing up a play for our rookie. It was kind of like the Larry Bird play where he ran towards the inbounder and then faded out to the three-point line there. So um, same result as well because it was dead on. But yeah, I, I couldn't be more impressed. I, I thought after the first game when everyone was high on him after he scored, what, like 27? I thought, or oh, he might have a have a dip. And although probably statistically he has, I didn't expect it. You know, we got a 14, 15-point score on our hands now. Um, which has just come out of nowhere. So yeah, I couldn't be more impressed. Pacer Nation looks uh, looks to love him. He His intro as well. The fans were going nuts when he got introduced. So uh, he's obviously a fan favorite already.
0: It's crazy because this is what we thought Jeremy Lamb would give us every night when we signed Jeremy Lamb. He was going to be that six man that scored 15 points a game and he was going to be able to be inserted into the starting lineup if we had, had an injury and score that 15 to 17 points a game. And you know, Jeremy Lamb aside from those three threes that he hit in the first quarter has been really not great across the first three games of this season. And we need him to be that um, 12, 15, 17 point a game scorer off the bench to be any chance. As I said, you know, you've got some reliable guys on this team now um, and Duarte is proving to be reliable, but you need someone else to, to score points. And Jeremy Lamb, Last year of his contract, I think he's earning 10 or $11 million this year. It's going to be really interesting to see what the team choose to do between now and the trade deadline with him, particularly with Levert and Warren coming back because Duarte effectively takes his place as six-man um, when we are fully healthy and we have a hole at uh, backup big or backup forward overall um, that where Jeremy Lamb almost becomes superfluous so i mean that's where you you could trade a jeremy lamb for a thad young who's not being used by the spurs right now i mean music to your ears i think alex but that's the probably logically with the way that this roster is made up that's kind of the move well
1: yeah look i don't think there's any way he's coming back he just, he really has struggled to be healthy more than anything in these three seasons with the Pacers. But yeah, as you said, those first two games in particular, I mean, he he was worse than bad. He, he gave us nothing on either end of the floor. And that's where I think you see Lavert and Warren being missed the most is that in crunch time, you don't want to have TJ McConnell and Jeremy Lamb standing out there next to each other. Like that, that is less than ideal for the Pacers. So I think that's where it's going to help the most. But yeah. <laughs> If I'm Jeremy Lamb, I'm looking at Duarte you know, scoring twenty a night and going, oh, man, this kid's going to take my job soon.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it seems like his days are, are kind of numbered. I mean, it 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 just seems like we need another reliable big scorer off the bench, and I guess you can kind of think of Miles as a bench player if if you're going to talk about staggering minutes and and saying that you know one of the bigs is going to get time with the bench at all times. So if you if you look at the bench through that prism of, well, one of our two bigs is going to be out there with the bench unit. So just say that it's Domas at center or it's Miles at center, then I guess between Miles and Duarte or Domas and Duarte, then you've got your two, I guess, scoring options with the bench. And then you've got some role players like McConnell, like Craig, like Brissette that can kind of do some things around them, hit threes if they're open, Um, you know, set up teammates that are open, that sort of thing. I mean, Justin, if you if you have if you consider this bench unit like that with a big Duarte and three role players, is that more appealing to you? Does that make more sense? Yeah, possibly. I think it's still situational game by game.
2: Um, I mean, I think everyone knows that Sabonis and Turner are better stated. Like if Rick's come in and he's doing it. He obviously, you know, Nate McMillan did, Nate Bjorkman did it. Now Rick Carlisle is doing it. Like, it, it's just a matter of fact. That's, that's the way it's going to work. But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we, we also thought Turner could be traded before the uh, deadline. And I, I don't see that happening now. I think he's really taken on that franchise player, not from a statistical or all-star point of view, just more as a loyalty and city fan base. You know, they got Miles to talk to the fans before the game today. Um, where generally the best player usually does that, but Miles did it. So um, I think there's a lot of loyalty there both ways from Miles and the Pacers. And, you know, that's not to say he's untouchable. If, if, you know, we got a good trade offer for him, yeah, he would be dealt. But I'm starting to think that uh, he might be a Pacer long term now.
0: Miles is extension eligible this summer. He's got a four year deal and he'll have two years remaining. Um, Alex, would you be surprised to see him sign an extension like Malcolm Brogdon did?
1: Not at all. Um, Not for that money, but yeah, definitely. I think that's something that look the paces of he's been in trade rooms every single year. So I don't really know how much to buy into it. Obviously KP said that the Celtics rumors were true. So uh, it's just for me, if you do trade miles, you're giving up so much defensively, like we're already a terrible defensive team. So if you give up your best defensive player, you're really opening yourself up because yep. you see players are getting beat off the dribble almost every play. Like And, and Miles is the insurance there. So it would not surprise me at all uh, if he's the uh, first player to get an extension for for the Pacers because Warren is a free agent as well. So they got a big summer.
0: Very big. I think it's understated how big the summer is for the team. I mean, Brogdon obviously locked in, Duarte locked in for – for four seasons under a rookie contract, which helps O'Shea Brissett, I think locked in for another two seasons on a minimum deal. So you've got some really friendly contracts that are coming up. And I would say that Malcolm Brogdon earning about twenty-two and a half million, or 21 million next year. And then 22 and a half the two years following um, is a really good number for a starting point guard to be at that tends to get you, you know, 20 points and seven, eight assists a game. Um it, you know, you got Domas locked in, I think, for another three seasons at a really low number based on his capability. And, and the Pacers have been pretty financially savvy over the last few years in um, locking up guys to long-term contracts that that are probably a lot less than what they may get on the open market. But um, this summer, with Warren uh, expiring, with Turner being extension eligible, uh, with Levert only having, you know, this season and next season left, is looming to be gigantic I mean depending on how good Duarte is he could render one of those wings superfluous and all of a sudden you're moving one of your starters because you can rather than because you have to which Justin is is the luxury of potentially making a really good draft pick this is going way down the line but I mean that's that's got to kind of be what we're almost hoping for from a cap perspective because it allows us to potentially trade two starters for a really good player.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I was just thinking about this yesterday. Although we're only three games in and you don't want to look too far in the future and overreact from a few good games. But I think TJ Warren's got to worry a bit with his injury history and, you know, he's out of contract. The Pacers are looking at Duarte now going, boy, you know, who do we want to offer money long-term here Um, I love TJ Warren, but um, you know, if he went down with another injury or something like that, which you know, touch wood, let's pray he doesn't. Um, I think I'm really interested to see what the Pacers do with TJ Warren because this this latest injury is costing money, no matter you you know, where whether it's from the Pacers or someone else, this is as much as it cost
0: Oladipo last year, but still money, (laughs) um, (laughs)
2: or Dennis Schroeder, but um, yeah, um, I'm that's that's my biggest interest to see what the Pacers do with TJ Warren because he's not going to get that 20-25 mil range he may have got last year when he was in the bubble so yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting but um, this is the problem we want, we want a rookie to uh, perform because it puts everyone else on notice I suppose doesn't it
0: every great team over the last few years has tended to have a guy on a rookie contract that's outperforming their, their rookie contract by a significant amount so The the ability to be able to have a guy on seven eight million dollars a year that's playing like a twenty five million dollar a year player um, is gigantic. So it will be really interesting to see how the capology of this team evolves and whether they take the opportunity to trade for a superstar because they are shaping up, having owning all their draft picks, having two bigs, and being able to potentially trade one and then having one of Levert or Warren come back and um, play to their strengths and play well, they're shaping up to have a really enticing trade package for um, any one of a number of superstars that may or may not become available ben, over the next six months. Uh, not it, That's, I said, superstar. Um, all right. My bad. We will wrap with this. Uh, we teased last time. Uh, giving away one of our Paceroos Flojo jerseys. And uh, we will be doing so on Thanksgiving uh, to enter. All you have to do is attend a Pacers game home or away and snap a photo of you with a Paceroos sign and tweet it at us or Instagram it to us. So you've got the Paceroos on Twitter, the Paceroos on Instagram, uh, tweet or Instagram a picture of you with a Paceroos sign at a Pacers game and you will go into the draw to win a Paceroos FloJo. We will draw that on Thanksgiving and that is the show for today. We've got Milwaukee next. We'll come to you after that Bucks game. Good to get a win on the board. Hopefully we can beat the defending champs. We have been the Paceroos. Thanks so much for listening.